The questions for today's episode are, how do I know if I have enough money for retirement? What if I don't have a 401k? How do I not touch the money I save? How do I overcome the fear of losing money? And a few more retirement-related questions. With the answers, here's Philip Washington. Here with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. Hey, I'm changing up format. What I'm going to end up doing moving forward is um, less shorter episodes going to a weekly episode and it's going to be topical and so these are all retirement questions and I got them over the course of the week I've done a couple of seminars over the week and so I wrote down some of the most asked questions in the seminar for those of you who could not make it and we'll just go through the answers and also uh, if you do have a question that you want me to answer on the podcast feel free to email me at philip at philipwashingtonjr.com. That's philip at philipwashingtonjr.com to get your question answered. But let's go to the first one. So how do I set the date for retirement? And another way to ask that is, you know, when, when do I know when I can retire? And the only way to really know is you, you need to uh, run a plan. You need to have an analysis. You start by saying, here's when I think I can retire. Here's how much money that I'm going to need coming in per month if it were today. Here's how much money I have currently, and here's how much I can save. And then with those four things plus an assumed amount rate of return you can earn in your money, you can begin modeling out that process. But here's one caveat, because one people will, will say, okay, let me do this, and I'm going to use some rate of return I think will work. So they'll, they'll may say 5%, 6%, 7%, 10%. Um, Depending on the rate of return you use is going to be a big factor on when you can retire, how much you have to save, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't like relying on using one rate of return assumption because that's you can't control that. And so what, what I like to use is a Monte Carlo simulation, which basically runs a bunch of random returns. Um, it'll run a thousand random return scenarios and give you a probability of the plan working out. And that's to me, a more accurate way to figure out when you can retire. And so when you run when you run all the math, you'll say, hey, based on you saving X, retiring at this date, with this amount of money, you actually can do that by 65. Or you can do it by 70. Or you got to wait until seven, you know, uh, 75. But running that Monte Carlo simulation uh, will give you a good idea of when you can retire uh, for retirement. And then if you say, hey, I don't I don't love the date. Like, I, I definitely want to retire by 60 or 65, and you can't save more any more money. Then you have to factor in, okay, do I want to retire on less, right? Maybe maybe you wanted 100 grand of your in, of income, but you're you're set on that date. So you got to take less income. So it's a lot of factors you can you can choose. This is not a simple one answer question it depends but you have to do the math run a plan make sure the math is rigorous not just some assumed uh, return number and that's the answer question number two man my handwriting is terrible (laughs) how do I not touch the money I save that's a good one because most of us naturally are not good savers I know myself if I don't force myself to save money I won't do it. And if I don't, when I save the money, put it in a situation where 
uh, it's tough for me to get to. Like we might grab it as well. But here's what I found to work really, really well. It, it, it's called a money management system. And so typically when people will create a budget, they'll put last things they want to spend money on. What I do is I start by saying, all right, here's what we make. Let's take the top 20% and then let's put it into what I call splurge accounts, right? And a splurge account is accounts uh, that you can spend money on guilt-free, right? We And for us, we have a him and her. So me and my wife uh, have our own splurge accounts. Um, and then we have a family splurge account. And what that does is the things that we want to spend money on that you normally would go over budget for or reach into your savings to get, you do it up front, give yourself permission, and it's there. And then you go through and... You know, the next amount, 10% towards savings, 10% towards investing. The other 60 is for basic living expenses. And that psychologically works real well because if you do, if you leave last your basic living expenses, which are like utilities, gas, groceries, things that you're not overly excited to spend about spending on, and if that's last, it's going to force you to make tough decisions by cutting that, which is not really tough because you don't get excited about overspending on your utilities. So it'll make you be aware of how to uh, conserve energy. It'll make you be aware of, do I really need that cable package, right? It'll make you be aware of, do I really need that internet? Um, you negotiate your cell phone bill. If you're not a couponer, it'll, it'll, you'll, you might become a couponer, but getting that number to 60% for the basis that you, that you don't really care about is a whole lot easier than saying, hey, like eat out less or buy less shoes. Like if that's your thing, that's going to be your thing. Um, and so take that off the front. And so that first process helps a lot. But then going back to when I was talking about the 10% towards saving, 10% towards investing, if it's for retirement, putting in like a 401k or an IRA or something that has a penalty for taking the money out is a, is a good option. If it's just savings where it's not in a retirement account or if it's in an investment account that's not retirement, then you want to you wanna put it there. And if having your splurge account didn't help you not want to reach in that account and, and move money, what you want to do is have accountability. So it can be friends, right, that can see your account, other spouse, right, or, or an advisor. You know, I have a lot of clients that will, um, you know, they'll link their all of their accounts to the financial planning system so we can see everything going on. Um, and that extra accountability helps a lot. Uh, it's, you know, one thing to talk to my, uh, that, that I talk to my nine-year-old about all the time is like, who you hang out with makes sense, right? Because peer pressure works both ways. Peer pressure can be negative or it can be positive. And so I like to use peer pressure to positively help take the actions that you need to take for your plan, what you want to do. Alrighty, if I don't have a 401k plan, how do I save for retirement? So that depends. If you own a business, then it's relatively easy. You can set up your own 401k plan for your business and you, you have a lot of flexibility with that. You, you don't have to just use the plan that was given to you by your employer. Uh, and in general, you could put away quite a bit more money, assuming you, you make the amount you need to make to put it in there, into cell phone and 401k plans. If you just work at a place and they don't have a 401k plan, then you can look into, hey, you know, do I, can I contribute to a Roth? If you make too much money, you can't. But if you don't, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. You can do a traditional IRA. And then once you go there, you can still set up money into a um, non-retirement investment account. And um, that's just the, what we call a regular individual investment account. So there's no penalties, restrictions. You can put away as much money as you'd like to put into the account. 
the trade-off is you don't get the tax benefits of IRAs or 401ks. But if you're using ETFs or exchange-traded funds are a lot more tax-efficient than mutual funds. And I won't nerd you out on why, but if you're using a non-retirement account, uh, using ETFs and index funds to build it can help with taxes. And then just if you're not trading a lot, which I don't think you should, it's not going to be as big of a tax hit to you over time, but you got to make sure you manage that portfolio appropriately and, and do small things. Like if you have bonds and it's in a non-retirement account or bond funds, maybe you maybe think about using municipal bond funds for a big portion of your of your bonds than just regular bonds. People say, well, why? Well, because municipal bonds, are, you know, for the most part, um, that interest that's paid every single year is not taxed. And so small things in how you manage the portfolio that'll help you if it's not in a Roth IRA or in an IRA, but you don't have to, you can save in regular investment accounts for retirement um, if it's not a retirement account. So that's the simple answers. Fourth question I got, I have a fear of losing money. How do I invest for retirement? The reality is you're, you're not going to get over that fear. That fear is going to always be there. What you what you want to do is just be more afraid of the alternative, right? Be be more afraid of inflation killing your money. What's what's inflation? Inflation is the cost of living rising every single year. And so one of my favorite stories or parables from the Bible is called the, the story of the talent. And basically what happened was this rich guy he had three people who worked for him, and he said, hey, look, I'm leaving for a trip. I'm going to be gone for a long time. Uh, I'm going to give you some money and take care of it. When I get back, I want you to let me know what you did, what you did with it. So he left one ten, left one five, left one one. And, 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 and let's, let's just call it like dollars. Let's, make, let's, let's update it, right? Let's, let's say he left one a million dollars, one $500,000, and one $100,000. Let's, let's bring it. Let's update it. And so um, then he left. So the one he, he left the million to, he came back a few years and he said, hey, uh, what'd you do with my money? He said, well, I took the million, invested it, and here's two million back. He said, man, cool, well done. Let me, go, let me give you some more money and you take care of that. And so he gave him some more money and went on his way. He said, and the second one, he said, hey, I gave you 500. You know, what'd you do with my money? He said, well, I took the 500, invested it, and turned it into a, a million. He said, good, congratulations, I appreciate you. Let me get your promotion. Let me give you some more money to manage. Go ahead and take care of it. He went to the person that he gave 100000 to, and he said, hey, what did you do with the money I gave you? And he said, well, man, look, you only gave me $100,000, and I was afraid to lose it, um, and so I just buried it. And he said, well, you could at least put it in the bank. At least you would have got some interest. So how about this? Give my money back, and he sent the guy to jail uh, for mismanaging his money. So what's the moral of the story. The more so if, if, you know, fear is a terrible way to manage money. If you've been blessed to have money, you can't let fear beat you into inaction or you're going to get your money taken, right? And in, in the real life, it's taken through the rising cost of living. Because if you buried $100,000 in your backyard 30 years ago, I mean, sure, you avoided the 2000 crash, 2008 crash, all that kind of stuff. But $100,000 today is not going to buy what $100,000 bought 30 years ago. Like, for example, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could have bought a really nice house, a really nice house 30 years ago for $100,000. I mean, like an amazing house today. <laughs> Good luck. Not, not even in Texas. 
I mean, there's land. There's land in Dallas, Texas um, that costs $100,000 and quite a bit of it. And so you want to you want to be more fearful of losing purchasing power because m- money is nothing. Money is just a piece of paper. Uh, what money uh, allows us to do is buy things. And so what you want to focus on is purchasing power and fear losing purchasing power then the short-term market moves um, that happen. And the follow-up question I always get, well, Philip, well, how do I keep my money protected? Spread it out. Don't keep all your eggs in one basket. It's a very old-school rule. If you spread your money out in stocks and bonds around the world um, and line it up with your with your risk tolerance, meaning if you're 25 and you want to retire at 65, you can be more aggressive than the 55-year-old who wants to retire in 5 or 10 years they need a more conservative portfolio or a portfolio more dominated with safer investments like bonds than a 25-year-old who can have more stocks, right? So the way that you manage risk is know your goal and your time frame and then spread your money out. So that's that. Next question, where do I start? It's a lot like anything else in life. So if you were to go on a trip, you, you say, hey, look, I'm, I'm in Texas, um, never been to New York. We're going to take a car trip to New York. Where would you start? Well, you would, like, create a plan, right? And the plan would be based, you get, you get a map, and you'd say, okay, where are we going to go? And then map out through Google Maps or whatever, like, the trip, and, and, and you create a plan. Figure out how many days it's going to take you. You got to stay in a hotel, all that kind of stuff. Same thing with planning for retirement. You start with a plan, and... This goes back to my first answer. My first question was was about setting date for retirement. You would go through that process. You would figure out uh, how much income do you eventually need, how much money do you have now, how much can you save, what's your date, and then you'll you'll build a plan. And then your plan will let you know what investments you need. Again, if you're 25, you can have a more aggressive portfolio than if you're 55. And so all this kind of ties together, but you, you start with a plan. Next question, how do I know if the market is going to be too risky to invest or not? That's actually a really good question. The problem is there's no way to know when the market is quote-unquote risky or not because the years where the market feels more risky than not, a lot of times, it ends up being a great market. 2013 was a great example of that, Um, and so was 2017. Um, But then there's years where the market feels wacky, and it's 2008, and so, and so you really there's there's no feeling, right? It's 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 really all about process. And so if if you look in sports, you look at the most consistent winning teams, the you know Bill Belichick with the Patriots, you know the Spurs with Greg Belichick or Nick Saban with the with Alabama, they have a process, right? The process does not rely on having the best player. And people say, well, Philip, what about Tom Brady? Well, I mean, look at the season when Tom Brady was out. I mean, they still were a great team. And I, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, Tom is great, but Belichick to me is the reason because you could have given Belichick any top five quarterback. It could have been Drew Brees or, you know, insert top five quarterback, and they have the same record because they have an amazing process. So you want to have a process for how you select investments regardless of the market environment that's unemotionally based when risk is high, when risk is low, and just stick to your process because over time your process works if you build it right. So the, the answer is 
There's no way to really know, but you want to have a, a good process in place, regardless of the market being risky or not. Because again, going back to the other question, the way you eliminate risk is diversification. Or not eliminate, minimize risk. Bad word. How do I know if I have enough for retirement? Uh, and this goes back to my first answer, Monte Carlo analysis. Use that Monte Carlo analysis to figure out how much you need to be saving, what your date is to reach your income. And I'll add one more thing to make this more valuable. Um, so once you do the Monte Carlo to test out the random return scenarios, you can also use Monte Carlo to say, okay, so so Philip, I did everything you said. I ran different returns because one return is not super reliable. So I know in a thousand different return scenarios that my plan works um, based on how much I'm currently saving and how much I have and when I want to retire. But what happens if Social Security is cut, right? What happens if my pension plan is cut? What happens if inflation is higher than what we assume or health care costs are more than what we assume if I need long-term care? And so you are able to stress test that in a Monte Carlo simulation as well ahead of time, right? Because, for example, if you run the plan and you show at these assumptions, I'm going to need to save this amount of money, but Social Security is cut, then that means you got you got to save more or retire on less. Or if you're because you were counting on that as income you're going to have in retirement or if the cost of living is higher, it's going to require you to save more. So, so you're not surprised. You want to plan that in advance so that you know, all right, if, if, if one of these major events happen that I can't control, I don't wait until 72 to find out that it hurt me. Right In advance, I programmed it into the plan, and I know how much money I need to absorb those kind of blows. And you can't protect your money from every risk, but there's five or six major ones that you can look at and plan out, and then each client may have two or three other ones that are wacky to them, and we can test them out. They're all not gonna, not likely to happen at the same time, but you can make sure your plan is very robust using a Monte Carlo simulation to test that out, what I call stress test your plan. Those were the major questions that I got from the event. Again, if you have other questions, feel free to email me, philip at philipwashingtonjr.com, as I always say. Philip Washington Jr., Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management, a registered investment advisory firm. This information is for educational and informational purposes, not meant to be investment or financial advice. You need to seek your own counsel before making investment decisions. Investing involves risk. No investment guarantee unless otherwise stated. Y'all enjoy your day. <laughs>